0: the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one true God. Today we have the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, the anonymous rich man, the nameless rich man, and the named poor man. We have the one who is Help is God, and that's actually what the name Lazarus means. God is our assistance or our help or even salvation. And the one who is satisfied and unconscious, unconscious of those around him. And if he's unconscious of the poor man at his gate, then he's unconscious of his own poverty. Brothers and sisters, this is what is going on when we have this disjunction between what we have inside and what we have outside. When we Outside, have the things that satisfy us and comfort us and quiet all kinds of internal strife that cover over internal poverty. Then we go about and we don't think about the things that we need to do in terms of other people. This is what this really proceeds out of. The lack of concern for another human being comes out of the lack of humanity in one's own heart. The lack of that recognition of the image of God in your neighbor is the lack of the recognition of the image of God within us. The lack of seeing Christ in the neighbor is the lack of seeing Christ within us. So Lazarus is left. And he's left because he's he's dirty. He's left by the rich man because he's dirty and he's unpleasant. And we, we don't know that Lazarus was a great, wonderful, pleasant, nice, poor man. We just know that he was poor. And certainly that his poverty was unpleasant. The dogs were licking his sores. So he's uh, gross, disgusting. So this same person is the person that is somehow a proof. A proof that God loves the world. A proof that God has a plan for us. The rich man is not a proof that God loves the world and the rich man is not a proof that God has a plan for us. The rich man has his own plan and once he is done with it, that's it. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's the plan of the rich man. But Lazarus' need Calls out to God. Lazarus' desperation. Lazarus' humiliation. Calls out to God. This is a very difficult thing for us because... As much as we want to say we care about this and we care about that, we have this this thing that we're engaged in, that thing that we're engaged in. Even if we really are taking care of the poor. How much do we believe that God is working a miracle in and for them? And this is something that we have to believe that God is going to work a miracle in and for the most pathetic persons that you know. You know, one of the things that sometimes people in a trite way when they're justifying their atheism do, while they're sitting comfortably having their ham sandwiches or whatever, they say... Well, you know, how could you have a God that allows this? A child goes blind because they're by some polluted body of water. How can you have a God that does this? So I don't have to believe in God. But that child who goes blind, thus is just an example of a lower being. If that's the case then everybody who suffers is in quality lower than the people who don't suffer. If your life is reduced in any way in this world, it is lower than the life of someone else. If there's no God, if there's no divine image residing in our hearts, then when we suffer or when we're somehow debilitated or handicapped or whatever, missing this or missing that in this life, then we are just a lower being. But that's not true. That's not true, and we know it's not true. In our hearts, we know it's not true that someone who is suffering is not lower than the person who is not suffering. Someone poor is not lower than the rich man. Unless we have an evil philosophy like some... Throughout the history of Christianity, some very strange people have had evil philosophies like this. But we know that that's not true. God cares for and will reward those who have suffered. Now, if you suffer and you just pass on suffering to other people, then you lose it. But if you suffer and you seek the God who will help you now, and he won't help you by giving you a brand new car or something that some prosperity gospel idiot says. And when I say idiot, I mean it in the theological sense. He's not going to reward you that way. He's going to reward you if you seek Him in suffering with true honesty, true sadness, and true desire for joy. So if you met a happy poor person who was pathetically poor, and you say, well, you're pathetically poor, why should you be happy? then we are not believing. And what are we not believing? Well, it's not just that we're not believing in God. We're not believing in the reality of true joy, that this world is made for beauty and for goodness, and joy is given to this world despite all the things that have come to us through our own sin and our own folly. That God has made this world for joy and for beauty and for life. And this is the truth. When He made the world in the beginning, He breathed His own spirit on creation. And He breathed His own spirit into the human being for beauty and for life and for truth. And so, this is what when the rich man says, Oh, please send someone back from the dead. If they you, you see someone risen from the dead, then they'll believe. And Abraham says, They have Moses and the prophets. And when we see Moses and the prophets, we might say, Oh, we look somewhere in the Old Testament, it says something that seems very difficult, very hard, very strange the same objection that we have when we look at life. Somewhere in life there's something very difficult, very hard, and very strange. Thus, it can't be really that God has made the world for this joy, and that there is a God, and that there is joy. No, but God has made the world for good. He has made the world because he wants to have something good that he can share his life with. He has made the human being to be face to face with him in life and in love and in joy. And that is a joy that meets us in any kind of suffering. So if we don't believe it when we see the poor man and the sick man Then we certainly will not see it, believe it, when we see the resurrection. What he's really pointing to is that if you don't believe now, you won't believe when God even stands in front of you, because you'll see God the same way that you saw God in your neighbor. You'll see God the same way that you saw God in your neighbor, and you'll say, "But this is hard." You're difficult, God. It's too much light. It's too much joy. It's too much life. And brothers and sisters, this is a problem now. We all know that there's a problem with people getting negative about their own lives. I don't need to go into details, but there's the second largest cause of death for young people nowadays is very bad. People think that their life is not good and even end their life. But we have to believe All you have to do is to go out and see the world that God made. All you have to do is recognize that you have breath. All you have to do is recognize that God is here for you. There is nothing too hard for God to help you with. And remember that. You know, we try to make sure that kids never have problems, right? But we also have to tell kids, if you ever have any problems, even the problems we try to prevent you from having, you can always reach out to me, and even if I can't help you somehow, to God. Even if you're lying on the side of the road and dogs are licking your wounds, you can still reach out to God. And God will give you life. You can start by saying a prayer, asking God for help. You can start by recognizing that you did not make the world, you did not make yourself. But God made you for good. He made you to be a good thing in His creation. He made the creation to be a good thing for you. He made life to be this unending place where we can find joy at all times. That's the thing that we don't understand. If you're sad, okay, you can be really super sad, you can be so sad you can't get out of bed. You can be so sad that you can barely open your eyes. But you can also have joy, too. At that very same time, if you say, well, okay, this is the oppression I'm living under, this is the terrible thing that's afflicting me, but I'm going to use whatever bad thing has come to me as a place to seek God. As... A means of my salvation, even. And that's the story of the whole Old Testament. They have Moses and the prophets. What are Moses and the prophets telling them? Moses and the prophets are telling them every time something bad happens, God will turn it around. And there's lots of bad. So much bad that you would expect the people that were like the the Jews in the Old Testament, that they would just cease to exist. But they don't. Because God loves his people. God loves us. And we will not cease to exist. And he has overthrown death. And nothing in this world makes you a lower person. Nothing that the world can ever throw at you. Nothing that the world can ever do to kick you down ever really makes you a lower person because God, who is the God of love, has made you and has made you for good. And then the last thing, that while you're suffering from whatever thing, even if it keeps you in your bed, or, if you're like Lazarus, keeps you on the side of the road being licked by dogs. The last thing is that Christ is risen. That Christ has shared all suffering. In his cross, he has shared all suffering. Lazarus being licked by dogs, and another person being depressed, and another person being feeling alone, All those things, Christ has shared it through his cross. All kinds of unmentionable evils in this world. Christ has shared it through his cross. And if we think of Christ sharing our suffering on the cross and making what hurts us a place where There is a miraculous intervention. Not the intervention that necessarily prevents all the hurt. But an intervention which secretly builds, if we seek it, a power in the midst of that hurt. A power to overcome all kinds of evil. And that power gives us cheerfulness... Gives us joy. Gives us things that endure forever. And it's not because God has made everybody wealthy that St. Paul says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor. Well, who are the poor? Every single one of us, no matter how much money we have, are going to suffer and feel oppressed at some point. And if we recognize that, and we seek Christ's cross and Christ's life then we'll seek his righteousness that endures forever and we'll do accordingly the right things we'll be generous ourselves because we will have overcome anything that the world puts on us to limit us so let us seek that joy which makes even the lowliest person great in the kingdom of heaven. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. That's what the mother of God tells us. So let us seek that power that overturns all the folly in this world. And we'll know that it'll be our secret, our hidden thing that won't be hidden when we're joyful by the power of His cross and His resurrection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one true God.